You're listening to All the Backlist, a weekly show that, if you don't know, is about books that are not new. I'm your host for the week, Trisha Brown, and this is episode number 386.5. Those of us in the Northern Hemisphere are solidly into the fall, and if you are listening to this, or as you're listening to this, I guess, the World Series might be over. The World Series of Baseball, that is, for those who aren't familiar. It also might not be over, depending on how things went between my recording this on November 1st and whenever you're listening to it. If you're not a baseball fan, you might not have known what was happening. You certainly probably don't know who won. And I will confess that I myself am solidly into the bandwagon fan category, especially when it comes to baseball. The local team here, the Seattle Mariners, made it past the, or made it, I guess, into the postseason for the first time in a couple of decades. So I did watch some of those games. And then they got unceremoniously knocked out, so I stopped watching until, I don't know, let's be honest, probably the next time they make the playoffs, next year, next decade, who knows. But even if you're not a fan of baseball, it is tough to ignore the impact the sport has had on the history, culture, and society of the U.S., or at least how much it's interwoven into those things. And if you don't know what I mean, stick around, because we're going to talk a little bit about baseball today and how it impacts even those who have never seen a game. Today's episode is brought to you by Bloom Books. Charming, easygoing, and rich, Xavier Castillo has the world at his fingertips. He also has no interest in taking over his family's empire, but that hasn't stopped women from throwing themselves at him. Unless, of course, the woman in question is his publicist. The cool, the intelligent, the ambitious Sloan Kensington, who is a high-powered publicist who's used to dealing with difficult clients, but none infuriate or tempt her more than a certain billionaire heir with his stupid dimples and laid back attitude. She may be forced to work with him, but she'll never fall for him because he's a client and that's all he'll ever be. Right? Right, girl. Like we all know. So just in case you didn't know, author Anna Wong is the best-selling author and book talk viral author of the Twisted Love series, the King of Sin series, Miss Wong, gotta go on on, okay? Make sure to check out King of Sloth by Anna Wong. And thanks again to Bloom Books for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Flatiron Books, publisher of 888 Love and the Divine Burden of Numbers by Abraham Chang. So this is an interesting love story. It's great for fans of Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow and High Fidelity. It's set in the mid-90s at NYU. And it follows young Wang, who has gotten the advice of love through Chinese numerology from his uncle. So he believes that he will have seven great loves in his life. And then he meets Irena in 95 and she's like the best. She's brilliant, charismatic, quick-witted, funny. They fall in love. But the thing is, she's number six. So if he is to have seven great loves, does that mean his time with Arena is going to come to an end? So this is a love letter to Western pop culture, Eastern traditions, and being a first-generation New Yorker. Make sure to check it out. And thanks again to Flatiron Books, publisher of 888 Love and the Divine Burden of Numbers by Abraham Chang for sponsoring this episode. All right, like I hinted before the break, today we're going to talk about two books that explore society and culture in the U.S. and in one of the cases, Mexico, through the lens of baseball. I promise you, you don't have to be a fan of baseball at all to enjoy one of these books, and you can very much enjoy the other with just a passing understanding. 
And by passing understanding, I mean, like, say, potentially if you're the kind of person who only watches a game when the Mariners make the playoffs every two decades. So that's, that's, it's a low bar for passing understanding. These books are about a lot more than baseball. They're exploring themes like racial segregation, housing crises and urban planning, McCarthyism, and what happened to Black owners in the Negro Leagues when Jackie Robinson started playing for the Brooklyn Dodgers. And if you're thinking, wait, I thought the Dodgers were in LA, trust me, I have got a book for you. But honestly, you don't need to know anything about baseball. You don't even know, you don't need to know like what the infield fly rule is. I'm not even 100, I'm like 95% sure that's a thing, but I am 100% sure I don't know what it is. I love both of these books. Let's just jump in. First, we will start with a book called Stealing Home, Los Angeles, The Dodgers, and The Lives Caught in Between by Eric Nussbaum. Stealing Home starts with the assertion that Dodger Stadium, which just sits like right there smack in downtown LA, shouldn't exist. By the end of the book, I understood why I think you will too. Nussbaum ties together different stories to explain how the stadium ended up displacing neighborhoods of primarily Mexican immigrants and Mexican Americans. It was a cause that was originally for federally subsidized housing. You could argue whether or not that was you know, a worthy cause. It still was going to cost people their homes. In the end, it actually ended up being for parking lots at Dodger Stadium. So I think arguably not a good cause at all. It is complicated. That's why there's a whole book about it. And, you know, the book honestly has very little to do with the sport of baseball. You will see some negative reviews probably that actually point that out. It's not nothing, right? You'll see players like Jackie Robinson and Duke Snyder. They're part of the story, but it's really more about their personal experiences. For example, the book talks a lot about Jackie Robinson's testimony in front of the U.S. House on american Activities Committee, which if you don't know what that is, read this book and then read some others. It was a dark time. At any rate, the story is primarily focused on the parallel tracks of people who are wholly unassociated with baseball. So first, there's the Arechega family, who are eventually pushed out of the home that they own and have lived in for decades. And then again, the the second kind of prong of the story is about Frank Wilkinson, who is a well-intentioned but deeply flawed urban planner who saw his dreams for improving housing in LA derailed in the 1950s by his ties to the Communist Party. I found this book incredibly compelling. I listened to the audiobook, which is probably eight or nine hours long over the course of maybe two or three days. I also, I thought the short chapter style really worked for this book. I know some people think it's silly to think we're talking about the length of chapters, but I will confess that I like chapters that are short enough to listen to while you're washing dishes or to read while you're in line at the post office. And I think the thing that made them work especially well in this case is that there are several parallel storylines being told in this book. And a short chapter allows a reader to kind of keep track of different things without getting too far from any one person or any one plot point that Nussbaum is talking about. And frankly, the fact that they're short also allows for quick chapters related to things like the Dodger owner's dedication to parking space at his new LA stadium. Or there's like an odd little aside of a chapter about chewing gum and the history of chewing gum. It fits, I promise. I love this book. I would highly recommend for anyone who likes narrative nonfiction. The author is pretty upfront about the fact that it is more journalistic. It is not meant to be academic. But again, that's in the preface. So you'll know very quickly whether or not that's an issue for you. I also highly recommend Baseball's Leading Lady, Effa Manley and the Rise and Fall of the Negro Leagues by Andrea Williams. I will say upfront, this one does contain slightly more play-by-play baseball action, especially in the later chapters. 
But honestly, Williams is so good at getting you invested in these ball games that even if you're not a baseball fan, you might still just be like into the play-by-play by that point. And if you're not, it's like two or three pages. Just skim them and move on. It's fine. You can probably tell by the subtitle, Effa Manley and the Rise and Fall of the Negro Leagues, uh, that this book is also focused on a moment in time in U.S. history and all of the cultural and social forces that were at work in that moment. A lot of the story is written through the lens of the life of Effa Manley, who is a fascinating woman. She had a white father and a black mother, and she came to be the co-owner with her husband, Abe, and basically CEO... CFO, HBSE, of a successful team in the Negro National League. Um, There was a Negro National League and a Negro American League that were really at the heart of the height of the Negro Leagues between, I would say, like, the the span of those probably like 1920 to 1960. But those two seem to be the main leagues that really impacted the, the sport. Manly is just like broadly fascinating. So she played a major role in pushing to get a New York department store to hire black workers in the 1930s. And then in the early 2000s, she had the distinction of being the first and currently only woman who is inducted into the National Baseball Hall of Fame. She was inducted posthumously, obviously, but it is still a little mind boggling that she is the only woman in the National Baseball Hall of Fame. That aside, as a fascinating and just kind of inspiring as Manley's story is, I think equally strong in Williams' books are the elements of the exploration it does of the struggles to get the Negro Leagues up and running and how the owners and managers and and the leadership of those leagues tried to partner with Major League Baseball, which was all white until 1947. And then what happened to the Negro Leagues when Major League Baseball decided to integrate? Because as much as Effa and her peers didn't want to stand in the way of opportunity for their players, the situation was really complicated. The Negro League teams and leadership and ownership were not being compensated for the contracts of the players that were being sort of taken from them into Major League Baseball. And the players that were making those moves were facing all kinds of racism and harassment, you know, in their new teams and in their new situations. And, you know, maybe most importantly, even as the rosters of the MLB teams became integrated, the ownership and management did not. Related to all of that, there's actually an anecdote in the book that I think will stick with me for a while, partly because of how relevant it is to the current status of baseball in the U.S. So as background, you may have heard that Dusty Baker, who is the manager of the Houston Astros, who are now in the World Series, he is a legend in his own right. He is a black man. He has observed that this World Series between the Astros and the Philadelphia Phillies is the first since 1950 that has not included a U.S.-born Black player. 1950 is roughly when the Negro National American Leagues were coming to an end. And it really says something that more than seven decades later, baseball could be in this situation. The anecdote that I mentioned from the book is about Bill Veek, who was the owner of the Cleveland Indians, and in 1942 wanted to buy the Philadelphia Phillies, which again is a team playing in the World Series now in 2022. So Veek wanted to buy the team and fill the roster with only black players. The commissioner at the time found out about it. So he blocked the purchase. And, you know, you can question Veek's motivation. You can question how it would have gone. There's no way to know. But even that was four or five years before Jackie Robinson played with the Dodgers. And you have to wonder a little bit, or at least I did, whether the 2022 Philadelphia Phillies would have zero U.S.-born black players if 
back in the early 1940s, the entire club had been black. Maybe it wouldn't have mattered because the management might not have had, you know, black ownership or black managers involved. And honestly, we'll never know. But I think that the history that Williams includes in her book does a really fantastic job of helping us see how present day baseball ended up here, even though here is not great. It, it does present a different side of that history, and I think a really important side. And so, you know, it's one of the things that I just really loved and admired about this book. So we will leave it there. I know you're busy. You have fall things to do. Maybe you have to watch the uh, rest of the World Series. Who knows? Um, but when you eventually do get to Stealing Home by Eric Nussbaum and Baseball's Leading Lady by Andrea Williams, you can find links to both in the show notes. And a huge thanks again to our sponsor, a thanks as well to our wonderful audio editor, Jen Zink, and thanks, of course, to you for listening. For more recs or general bookishness, check out bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen, or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. You can find the books that I mentioned today in the show notes by visiting bookriot.com slash all the books. And remember, if you're a fan of all the books and all the backlist, and you want to show some love, please leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We both very much appreciate your review, and also, your review will help other book lovers find us too. If you want to find me, I am mostly on Instagram, especially these days, and you can find me there at Trisha Haley Brown. In the meantime, and until we talk again, please take good care and happy reading. Happy reading.